Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. And help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. This is the third message in the series, Here Comes the Comeback. And I broke this down into three because a couple of weeks ago I told you I'm a strong believer that there is a fine line that exists between a very long Sunday morning message and what looks like a hostage situation. (laughs) So I began to talk to you about an epic comeback in the life of Simon Peter. We talked about the fact that Jesus told him, follow me, and he did. And for three years, Jesus invested into Simon Peter because Jesus knew what he was going and where he was going with the man. And then when things got tough, this very bold witness for the Lord, who told the Lord, I will die for you, runs. And he quits the church. Man, let let me just stop for a moment and tell you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. I thank God that you are a child of God, a body of Christ, who gets it when it comes to the church. Thank you for that. Thank you for knowing, and you do know, that you do not go to a church with a consumer mentality. You do not walk in and check off the boxes of the things that you like and check off the boxes of the things that you don't like. Because if you do that, you will never stick in any church on this planet. When you understand that as a born-again child of God, you are to plant yourself in a body of Christ and use your personal gifts and callings to further the kingdom work of God and to make your church family better and stronger because you are a part of it and make that church family better and stronger when it comes to doing the kingdom work of God in our community and further than our community, you get it. Thank you so much for getting it. Either that or something's going to happen, you're going to quit. And I told you early on that one of the things that I've seen over the last 41 to 43 years of ministry has been the number of people that have started out as Christ followers that walked away. The number of people who were excited about the Lord, good people who were worshiping God, who were greeters, who were ushers, who were singing on the platform, who were teaching kids in a small group, or teaching in a small group as well. That over the years, something would happen and they would fall out. They would simply stop following. We have family members and friends that we love that know there was a time in their life where they talked about accepting Christ as their personal Savior. And now they went all B.C., acting as if they've never known Christ, acting as if they were never saved, doing the same lifestyle. Are they happy with it? No. (laughs) They're not happy. They're miserable. They failed in walking, and they failed in everything in life after they walked away. Well, Simon Peter is that example to us that when any time somebody we know does that or even maybe we're tempted to do that ourselves, the Lord went after him and the Lord will go after you. I love that about our Lord. You remember the Garden of Eden? Remember when Adam and Eve messed up? Did they go looking for God or did God come looking for them? Yeah. And he will because here's what he said. I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Well, sometimes it looks like that relationship's a little one-sided. Let me let you in on something. Many times it is one-sided. 
But your heavenly father will always come after you. He will always make sure, number one, that when you walk away from him, your life's never going to be great. He's always going to make sure that you're not going to be happy if you do that so that he can get your attention so that when you two kind of meet one-on-one again, you can have an encounter like he did with Simon Peter. But there he was on the seashore. He recreated the scene. You know the story. He tells the guys, hey, you caught any fish? How's that working for you? And they said, no, sir, we hadn't caught anything. These were skilled, professional fishermen. This was something they knew how to do. Simon Peter failed at following, but he knew how to fish. Jesus said, well, throw it out on the other side and you'll get some. 153 large fish, the Bible says, filled up a net. John leans over and says, it's the Lord. It's interesting. The Bible also emphasizes that the the net didn't break. In other words, here's what the Lord does when he comes to find you. He gives you that which you were looking for better, and watch this, protected, that you can't lose it. And what good does it do if you go get something without the Lord and what you get is not protected by the Lord? It's going to be short-lived. It's just going to give you a little tickling of what it could be, and then it's going to be gone. So the Lord says, I'm going to give you a blessed, a blessed blessing, a protected blessing. Simon Peter gets to the shoreline, and when he gets there, Jesus is cooking fish. He's making breakfast. Jesus has in his hand what they've been working for all night. They're going for it raw. Jesus has it prepared. And then Jesus said this, why don't you bring some of the fish that you caught? Bring it over here and let's put it with what I already got. No, listen to that. Jesus said, I got what you're looking for. Now I'm going to give you more of that what you're looking for. And I'm going to let you mix it in what I already had. Because by the way, you wouldn't have any of it if it were not for me. But let's just do this together, the Lord said. And there they are in that awkward situation where Simon Peter knew he denied Christ. And Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Okay. And equivalent to this, he said, follow me then. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, follow me. Do you love me? Follow me. You remember the story. And Simon Peter takes it up from there. And Simon Peter's comeback. What he did after he messed up was greater than anything he had ever accomplished before his mess up. You say, well, I've embarrassed myself. I said stuff that was stupid that I shouldn't have said. People knew what I did, how I acted, what relationship I jumped in and out. They know what I did. Yeah, well, we all know what Simon Peter did. And the Lord gave him the greatest years of his life after the mess up. I took you from there over into the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 4 through 1 Samuel chapter 7. I told you about a priest by the name of Eli, 91-year-old fat pastor <laughs> who was blind. I told you about the fact that the children of God had entered into their family, their church, their body, polytheism. Now, polytheism was practiced by other countries, and the children of God always had an issue with if the other countries are doing this, we want to do that. We want to be like everybody else, and God never intended for his children to be like everybody else. So even though all these other countries were introducing polytheism or what they thought was politically correct by let's just tolerate everybody's attitude of what their God should be, the children of God did the same thing. They set up idols to worship. They, they had the idols, the Baal. They worshiped Baal. They worshiped uh, the Astoroth pole. And, and they thought of things as being equal or as important to God, as important as God. 
It's not that they did away with God. It's not they said they were more important to God. They just added things alongside of their worship and their belief in God. I told you that when you become a child of God, God becomes your father. And the Bible says he chasteneth those he loves. That there's no such thing as a father, a good father, that wouldn't correct his children. So with this, the Heavenly Father was about to bring the hammer down on his kids, and he should have, because they were acting as if it wasn't God who had done everything for them in the past that they had done, he had done. And so they go out and fight an enemy, and the first battle goes bad. 4,000 children of God, men, were killed. They got together and they said, what happened here? And Eli said, I don't know, what are we going to do differently? And they said, bring the Ark of the Covenant, and in verse, in chapter 5 or verse, or verse 6, chapter 6, somewhere right around in there, the Bible says, this is what they said, they said, it will save us. Oh, no, you didn't say that. You didn't say a building will save you. Well, you didn't say a person will save you, did you? You didn't say a box, even though it was important, I understand that. It just represented with relics on the inside, that which God had done, not the box, and they said, it will save us. I'll tell you how bad it got that their enemies got confused and started saying it's the gods of Israel that have protected them in the past and the gods of Israel have come into their camp to fight for them today. They, they were confused and they confused the enemy. And you know who wasn't getting the credit? Their father wasn't getting the credit. So the father wanted to remind them, you will give credit to me and me only. So they take this Ark of the Covenant out to the next war, and they thought it was going to do the trick. The enemy got afraid because the children of God were hollering and yelling and all excited about the fight. And 30,000 men belonged to God's family were killed that day. So God just reached down, swiped his hand, and took a whole bunch of his kids home. Because here's the bottom line. Once you're saved and you're still here, what are you doing here? If salvation were just about heaven, wouldn't God just have taken you on into heaven and taken you off this planet? So God left you here for a purpose, and the purpose was to expand the kingdom work of God by pointing out to everyone else that it is the heavenly Father that gives you a great life. But they didn't do that. They decided that it was this and that. They're confusing the enemy, and God just said, well, you know, it's better that I take you home than to leave you on the earth and confuse the enemy on who it is who saved you in the first place. So he takes out 30,000 of his kids. Eli falls backwards out of his chair, hits his head on the back of the ground. He breaks his neck, and he dies. Both of Eli's sons killed in the battle. Eli's daughter-in-law goes into labor. She dies in labor. She names the kid Ichabod, which means... The glory of God has departed here. Roll the tape forward a few chapters and you find Samuel coming on the scene. Remember, Samuel was the young prophet, the little boy that lived in Eli's house. And he woke Eli up one night and he said, are you calling me? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He came again. Remember? Remember the story? He said, you calling me? Somebody's waking me up. You, you say something? No, I didn't say nothing. He comes back again. Oh, you, you, you calling me? No, it must be God. Go back and say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. Right? Remember the story? It's about Samuel. Samuel grows up. He takes Eli's place. The children of God all gather around. And Samuel says, you want to win this time? Would you like to beat that which has been beating you? And they say, oh, please, we'll do anything. Eli and Samuel says, then you need to return to God. 
with all of your heart. And you need to get rid of anything that you're giving credit to that belongs to God and God only. And he says, and then <laughs> you're going to pray and plead and pour your heart out to God. Oh, wait a minute. I think we're heading somewhere with this. The key to their comeback, the key to their comeback was they had to get rid of some stuff. They had to get rid of anything that was taking God's credit away from his people or the people who knew about his people. You say, oh, well, come on. Man, that's an Old Testament story. It has nothing to do with today. Well, let's look at it for a second. I had a guy I was talking to two weeks ago, and the guy's in his 50s, and he's really fit and really in good shape. And, and he got sick for a little while, but he recovered from it, and he was just, he was just doing good. And, and so we were talking about working out, wearing the Fitbit, doing all that kind of stuff, counting the calories. And, and, uh, and I said, well, man, I said, he said, God bless. He, no, he said this. He said, but I feel good. I'm healthy, and I'm strong. Well, man, God blessed you. And he goes, yeah, God or whoever. I went, oh, no, no whoever, God. There's no whoever, it's God. Somebody the other day said, well, man, that'll work out if it's in the cards. What cards are you talking about? There are no cards. Somebody else, I heard, I heard somebody else say, well, man, maybe luck was on their side. Wait a minute, dear child of God, there is no such thing as luck. I don't read my horoscope because it's not my horoscope. It's made up by somebody else. Yeah, I don't read that. I don't care what a fortune cookie says. I don't care anything about that. You see, people look for their hero their entire life. I pray to mine several times every day. It's not about a lucky foot. It's not about some piece you carry around in your pocket. I had a woman out in the lobby one time. This has been years ago now, years ago. And she was wearing something around her neck. And I recognized it as a crystal. And, and I thought, I, so I just thought I'd ask her about it. See if somebody gave it to her. She thought she liked it. And, and, uh, and I, I said, hey, hey, that's, that's a pretty necklace. She goes, yeah, it's a crystal. It brings me luck. Well, that, that's it? That's what does it? Are you kidding me? Is it that and something else? No. You see, I think, gosh, we got to be very, very careful. My granddaughter one time asked me, she said, uh, it was Christmas time, and, and she wanted something. It had been a few years ago, and, and what she wanted was something to hang in her room on the wall, and it was called a, a, green, a dream catcher. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. The rest of you don't need to know. It's stupid. I talk to the one who puts dreams in my heart and in my soul and makes a way when there is no way. That's what it is. It's not something you hang on the wall. But are we not living in a culture and in a nation that believes in polytheism? Oh, we got to tolerate. We got to agree with. We can't upset this, that, that. Listen, if somebody wants to believe that way, well, that's just the way they believe. That's okay with them. Are you saying that it's okay that they're lost and going to hell without Christ? Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying as a child of God, we need to speak up and say, look, the kind of life that you can have that makes a marriage great, that makes family great, that puts joy and a laughter in your heart and your soul is only through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to have the kind of life I have, then you got to line yourself up with Jesus and nothing else. Yeah. 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 See, that's what Samuel said. 
It's right there in the verses. It says, the Lord and the Lord only. Get rid of everything else. And then they said, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. And then he said, your walk with the Lord, you, 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 you kind of been messed up, right, child of God? Yeah. You might want to take a day. This might take a minute. And the Bible says the children of God, they were grieving, they were hurting, they were messed up, and they were scared because they were going to have to take on the same. They, they've had a beat down that led now to a turnaround. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? That led to another showdown. You see, God's not going to give you a comeback if there's no enemy standing in front of you that you need to come back and finally beat that which is beating you for. What you come back for? Not just to change your clothes. You still got a battle to fight. So he says, listen, there's some things in your life you need to get rid of. Yeah, they did it. There's some apologizing you need to do to your heavenly father. Because he is your father. And here's the bottom line. Where we think the worst thing that happened can happen to a child of God is God takes them out of here. <laughs> I don't know of anybody over 60 that thinks the worst thing that could happen to you in this life is if God took you home. Now, I want to tell you right now, I want to be here as long as I can be here. I want every day, baby. I want to enjoy it all. But God reached down and looked at some of his kids and he said, man, you're going to line up on the wrong side. You're going to act like you don't know me. I'm going to come get you. Now, here's, the, here's your choice. We can have breakfast together, and you can get back in line. Or I can just take you on home. But it's all loving. It's all loving. Oh, no, God's going to take me home. He's going to let you walk on streets of gold, never fail, feel, never have any need, never put you in a mansion, take care of all your needs for the rest of all eternity. And I, I don't think that's punishment. <laughs> I don't know what the fishing's like in heaven, but I, you know what I mean, but it's got to be. And they take a day, an entire day, and they shut down on food. They don't eat anything. And they spend that entire day just telling God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then they go before Samuel and they say, fight's on again. We're not taking the Ark of the Covenant in. It's just us and God this time, isn't it? And that's what God wanted all along. He's got what you need. And then they said, do not stop praying while we go into this battle. And the Bible said that God heard their prayer. And when he heard their prayer... And they marched off scared this time. Have you, have you ever done anything frightened? <laughs> Come on. I, I'm not sure that's not a bad thing. I think sometimes the Lord will allow you to lack confidence and be shaken so that you will rely more on him. Right? I don't think that's bad. I think you can get too cocky and arrogant, too filled with pride because you've had a few wins. And all of a sudden, you know, things start disappearing. You know when I always lose golf games with guys in our church, when I lose? You know, you know what I can tell you the factor is when I lose? I start, 
I start smack-talking them. And when I do, my game just goes flat out down. Well, God's children can have fear sometimes. It's, I don't know if that's an appropriate word for it, but I, it's an attitude of I'm not sure I have this on my own. And God says, well, would you like me to join you? Because if you got it on your own, then, then go ahead, take it. I can find my own. I'll get on match.com and I'll find my own mate. Well, good luck with that. Or you can say as a single person, God, would you help me with this? So they march off fearful this time, taking on an opponent that's already beat them twice. It's round three. Uh-oh. It's round three. And as they were going... God thundered down some type of noise that's caused so much confusion that God's children destroyed them. First part of this year, I was asking God um, if he would reinvent me. I don't know if you've ever done that, but when you hit certain ages, and stages and seasons of your life, I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that that means that God has not done a good job with you all the way to that age. But this particular year, I'm turning 60 at the end of this year, and I've already had a heart attack, and I've been trying to recover from that and work back through that, and I feel like I'm doing really good and all that kind of stuff. But I told the Lord, I said, God, I don't want to do ministry like I used to do it in my 20s or in my 30s, because I couldn't, number one. But I don't even want to. It's not even in me. I don't even do it like I did it in my 40s or 50s. How? God, would you reinvent me? And would you use me, please, to be a part of some great move of yours in my life? Could I experience that? And God, I don't want to have to go anywhere else to experience it. Could I experience it right here on the Western Slope as part of Fellowship Church? Could I? Would you please let me have that? And that's my prayer. Lord, reinvent me. Whatever it is you need me to do whatever it is you want me to be. I was going to tell Anna, make a list of the changes that you would like to see God to make in me, but <laughs> I decided to pass on that. <laughs> well, one of the things that we had on the schedule this year was we were going to go to the Billy Graham Memorial Library. And do we have a picture of that, by the way? Do we have that? Yeah, there it is. Well, I mean, you can kind of see, you know, it looks kind of like a barn with a cross. Well, um, and I thought when Ann and I, I we didn't, I didn't expect much. I thought we'd go in, that's good on that. I thought we'd go in and we'd hear a little history, read some stuff, see some plaques on the wall of how he met with and prayed with different presidents over his lifetime. And I went into different countries and some of the crusade stuff. Well, what you just saw is a lobby to a building that is much bigger than this. And when you walk in, you all of a sudden are taken over to the right you get a little bit of an information, and your group goes through this building like this, through like a maze of all the different things that God had done in Billy Graham's life and how God had used them. We thought we would be there about an hour and 15 minutes, three and a half hours later. We couldn't leave the grounds. Man. There's a maze of things you go through at the end. There's some volunteers there that are all probably 60 plus. 
and you're sitting down in different rooms or you're walking through different rooms and the last room you sit down this little tiny chapel type of a thing and, and his son is on the, uh, the screen and, and, and he's talking to us and the plan of salvation is given. And every person that is there, they're walking by a volunteer and the volunteer's like, you got any questions? Well, what, what about this place did you like? Is there anything I can do for you? And there's little rooms over here with chairs where they, they would take them over and pray the prayer of salvation with them. You, you go through their bookstore, and there's a bookstore, and there's a ca- coffee shop, and there's a cafe that's there as well. It's blow your mind. And, and, and I told Anna, listen, there's been some significant things happen in my life. The Billy Graham Memorial Library is one of the most significant places I have ever gone in my life. And here's what happened to me. Here's what happened. God told me, without a doubt, there will be nothing significant that will ever happen in my life, in mine and Anna's life, or in our church, or for our God, that is not saturated in crying out to God in prayer. Proof positive. Somebody, Doc, has got a better website than you do. Somebody, business owner, has got a better marketing strategy than you. Somebody that is in competition to you being able to make money and provide for your family with a startup company has got more financial backing than you do. But they can't outpray you. They can't outpray you. It was prayer that brought everything together, wasn't it? Prayer that brought it all together. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus started talking about prayer, take a look at what he said. This is kind of cool. Ask. And by the way, the verse before that, part A says, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have what? Well, why is that important? Have you ever heard somebody say, you need to get more serious? Can I lay something on you? You need to get more joyful. You need to get happier. You need to be thrilled with the kind of day that God has given you because the joy of the Lord gives you strength. Oh, let me get, let me get another one. Let me give you, throw the, throw the next one up. I don't have it on me. Where? Don't be dejected and sad, but what? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Give me the next one. Come on. Let's, let's, let's keep rolling with it. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Here's my news for you. Here's my news for you. We already know who wins. Round three, you beat that which is beating you. Okay? But the enemy is trying to keep your strength. How many of you tired? You're, you're t- Come on. If you're tired, have you been tired? Where's your strength coming from? It's the Lord. What does that strength look like? Happiness on your face. And when you have, that's the thing the enemy's trying to take from you. 
Because listen, if I would have gone through the Billy Graham Memorial Library and every person working in there would have looked, don't bother me, man, too many people. I would have said, I don't know what you have, but I don't want any part of that. But walking through there with these 60, 65 plus people in there working and ministering and doing coffee and can I pray with you? Do you have anything I can talk to you about? And the cashier's even checking out this guy. And the cashier says, did you enjoy the, did you enjoy the tour? He goes, yeah. She goes, what would you enjoy about it? He goes, well, you know, pretty cool, you know, about all those people behind the Iron Curtain getting saved. And he goes, she goes, she goes, have you been saved? Are you kidding me? This guy's like, you want to talk to somebody? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Has the enemy let you win a few battles? Now you're driving a better car. You got a nice truck. You stepped up a house. The job's not looking bad. The enemy's, the income's gone up, but your face demeanor has gone down. What's that about? Last week, I know you didn't write home about the message because last week in the message, I told you how long you were going to live. I met with my doctor this week, and he's saying, hey, Al Hooper, the scientists are working on a way where people can live to be 121. I go, that's never going to happen, doc. What are you talking about? Well, the Bible says that you're only going to get 70 years, maybe 80, and if you live longer than that. But, you know, the worldwide, the worldwide uh, lifespan all around the world is 70 years and five months. He goes, I didn't know that. Yep. Is that in the Bible? Yep. And I know you didn't walk out of here excited, but this is what I'm trying to tell you. You're running out of time when it comes to your happy. You can't wait till the circumstances change. You can't wait till you beat down the enemy. If you're going to be joy-filled, you're going to have to be joy-filled now with loved ones dying, with jobs that are messed up, with people that are all upset and everything else. You can't walk around dejected and sad because the strength that you need comes from joy that you get in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the enemy wants to fight you to keep you from having it. Oh. Yeah, you're going to win, but you want to stay strong and enjoy it. You're going to have to get your happy back. Give me the next verse. I don't know what it is. Let's see what it is. (laughs) But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That's the top three, baby. You can't have love and peace without joy. And you can't have joy without peace. They all three work together. Give me the next verse. Now, I love this one. Oh, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, give me the last one. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The Bible says in NLT, he delights in every detail of their lives. He's talking about you now. Though he falls... He will not be overwhelmed, for the Lord is holding his hand. There's a lot of good men in this room. 
A lot of good men. Good brothers. Good brothers, man. Man, I love you. Good men sitting in here. Good men. Or you wouldn't be sitting in here. There's some good women in this room. <laughs> That's what the men should have done, but no. We're cool. Good women. Good women. Good women. The room's filled with you. And the Bible says that your steps have been ordered by God. So you do some things right. You work a job. You provide a family. Your steps are ordered. And while these ordered steps by your heavenly Father is happening in the life of a good man or a good woman, you will fall. And the enemy says, oh, you're down. You're down. Well, I don't know about you, but being a part of being, being, a, part of being a group of good men, I fall. And I get knocked down. And when I do, I feel a little squeeze. <laughs> and the squeeze is... You're not staying down because of this right here. Well, Lord, why'd you let me fall? That's none of your business. I think if you hadn't fallen, you wouldn't feel this. You would have thought you're walking on your own. I just need you to remind you. You're going to fall. But the Lord's going to lift you back up again. And set you and establish your feet. And you will defeat that which has been defeating you. So here's my question. Have I even looked at my notes today? Have I even? <laughs> here's my question for you. How many... How many of you finally need to defeat something that's been fe defeating you? You know, come on, you know what it is now. But you need to win this time. Anything been beating you down? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many of you think that you could stand to be more joyful and happy than what you've been so far, more consistently? Would you, oh, the consistency part's the what, isn't that? Triggers the hand up, doesn't it? I think when people come to our church, and maybe there's some of you in here right now, and you see people worshiping and loving God and down front, and the singer's singing, and they're jumping and dancing, and we got guys that are playing, and they're excited, and people are down front, and people standing around you, their hands are in the air, their eyes are closed. I think some of you might think, some of you might think, and this is what you see. I see a group of emotional people. And to the untrained eye, you might see emotionalism. 
But to this trained spiritual eye, I see a person with their hand in the air who God just reached down and rescued last week. I see a person with their hand in the air that their heavenly father is lifting them back up from something that they've done where they have felt guilty and they're ashamed and they've said they're sorry and God's just lifting them back up and putting them back on course. I see a child of God who's had problems and difficulties and challenges and people coming against him and all kinds of things that feels like they're beating them down and defeating them. And I feel that I see people in this room that have, that, have, that have seen God grab hold of them and remind them that they're okay. And they didn't have to go and, and, and drink alcohol and, and, and just go crazy. And they didn't have to do, they didn't go all BC. I see a group of people who God is lifting back up again for the greatest epic comeback of their life. I don't see emotional people. I see comeback people. So I'm going to ask you if you would just stand with me. Just stand right up. Just, for, just stand up for a second. I know we're running late. I know that. Is everybody in the room saved? I mean, that's a question everybody in the room say. Put your hands together if you are. Yeah. Then why are you still here? I don't mean in the service. I mean here like on the planet. Why? What part in this kingdom game are you playing? What are the gifts and the callings that you're bringing to the table of the kingdom work of God? It's special, you know, because you are. Simon Peter, I'm done. I'm done with it. Dream's over. It's dead. And Jesus said, well, just follow me again. You follow, I'll make. You follow, I'll make. You go try to make, ain't gonna work. You follow, and I will make you. Has anybody here fallen, messed up, had a bad attitude, sinned since you first started following Christ? Anybody? <laughs> that could be. Your greatest life is next. It's next. It's not over. It's next. So I'm just going to ask you to come down front. Let me pray for you. If you, if you need to beat something that's been beating you, or you need to get your happy back, because there's where your strength is, would you come down here and let me pray for you real quick? Come on down. Just come on down. Crowd in. Crowd in.
One of the greatest enemies to anybody's comeback is stubbornness. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? Why y'all looking at her? <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't see anybody look at you. I'm just messing with you. I know a man who became a really good husband too late. He's too stubborn to listen, to correct, to change. He's a really good man now, but not with her. She was done. Your life is too short for you to waste any of it with stubbornness, dear child of God. You're going to be fishing for the next 30 years and catching nothing. Your life is too short for you to waste any of it with unforgiveness. Sure, somebody said something. Sure, somebody's a jerk. Somebody, sure, somebody did something they shouldn't have done. Sure, it hurt. Sure, it was devastating. Sure, it affected your heart and your soul. I get that. But it is not worth wasting any of these 70, maybe 80 years, or maybe you'll go home before that, days that you have left. And days are too precious to wait on a circumstance to change in order for you to get happy. <laughs> there ought to be something radically different, radically different about every child of God. And that is we ought to be able to see your heaven on your face. <laughs> See your victory that is in the works on your face. See the fact that it is not a challenge or person is not any kind of stubbornness going on. See the fact that whatever it is that you're facing, you already know where round three's going. I'm coming back. I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm getting in line. He's picking me back up. I'm worshiping my heavenly father and I will give nothing credit for my life and my God. People might see somebody being emotional. I see people that are making a comeback. <laughs> and it is going to be epic, epic, epic. Father, it is in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And Lord, oh, it's funny. You said that we're to pray using your name. There's some things, Father, oh my God, we need to pray about. Oh yeah, the enemy made me have to use the name of Jesus on it. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, change my workplace. In the name of Jesus, bless my workplace because I'm there. In the name of Jesus, help me to impact the people that are around me. In the name of Jesus, let my income go up. In the name of Jesus, let me own my own company someday. In the name of Jesus, let me flip this house for a profit. In the name of Jesus, give me another one and then another one. Bless me. You said that the righteous people's house will be filled with good things. Fill my house with good things because God, it's not that I'm perfect, but I am good. You called me that. And Father, when I fall, you will grab hold of my hand. You never let 
let go and you will lift me back up again. Lift me back up now in the name of Jesus. Give me my joy back. Give me my happy back. Give me my strength back. And Lord, I pray that I would live the kind of life you want me to live. Thanks for not calling me home yet. That's sure going to be fun and all. And I'm not through having my fun here. And I'm not going to wait one more day, one more year in order to start. I start now with a hand that you're lifting up. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love y'all. Come back time. Come back time. See ya. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.